and welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast, a ministry of the exchange where we are improving church effectiveness through healthy church and ministry assessments, mission trip planning, and workshops on evangelism, discipleship, church structure, and strategic planning. You can find more about our ministry, the exchange, at www dot made the exchange dot com. You can also email me at be the church dot go at gmail.com. You can email me for uh, questions or if you would like to be on the show, uh, you can email me as well and we will schedule a time to do a recording. All right. Well, I am excited for this episode, so let's get started. All right. I'm excited to be back this week with Larry Cleveringa again, and uh, we are going to kind of continue talking about uh, what our last podcast was uh, that we had Larry on. Uh, we're going to talk about love from a biblical perspective. Uh, it's just something that we have begun to realize that a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what love is and assume there's only one definition for love. <laughs> yeah, there's several definitions for love. And I, and I think part of the our problem as a society is that we've allowed all of these different definitions to now become just one big conglomerate mm -hmm. and uh, and you and I both know that there are a couple of different uh, types of love that become very powerful mm -hmm. they become very motivating in in your life and they can become either very precious or extremely harmful uh, you know and and I think that part of what's going on is we've lost our definition of the two yeah. And I think that's, you know, important, you know, if you're a Christian listening to this, it's especially important for you. Um, but if you're not a Christian listening to this, um, I hope you understand why this is important. There, there's a major difference between the English language and the Greek language. Yes. And the major difference is, is that they have different words for every meaning of a word, like in English, right? right. So, but like in English, we have the word love. Well, I, I can tell you, Larry, that I love you, but you know, because we're speaking the English language, what right. type of love I'm referring to, right? You know that if I tell my wife I love her, it's not the same love that I have for you. You know that because we speak the English language. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier before, we started, we actually should have been recording before we were recording because we had a great conversation. Yes, uh, awesome conversation. <laughs> Prior, you know, but we, we begun to blur these lines, you know, of what we intrinsically know as English-speaking Americans. We intrinsically used to know that if I say, hey, Larry, man, I love you, that that was like a brotherly love. Yes. But we've started to blur those lines where... Like men are cautious to say I love you because they might think they're gay or something. Now I'm driving away wondering if that was an aff affectionate love that you just spoke to me or yes. if it was a brotherly Yes. Love. And it's weird because, you know, at 57 years old, uh, 30 years ago, I would have never had to even no. think about that. No. You know? It just wasn't that way. And, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, freedom, you know, the freedom to be able to choose what I would like to do concerning my emotional state and mm -hmm. those types of things. But if I don't have a clear definition of 
the love that is very good for me and a clear definition of a love that is very harmful for me, mm-hmm. uh, then I am going to bob in and out of both yeah. of those sides. And and part of the problem with that is, is because we're fleshly, okay, we're, we're our carnal nature. And when the Bible talks about carnal nature, it means our flesh Yep. and what the flesh desires over the spirit. Yeah. So, you know, it's really easy. Our society has made it very, very easy for us to feel really comfortable in the unhealthy side of this. Even if we're not all the way into the unhealthy side of it, Mm -hmm. it still causes a lot of misconception about how this ought to function, how what I ought to be feeling. Yeah. How I feel about myself, how I feel about other people. Yeah. Those kinds of things. And that and that is the biggest difference between, you know like many different languages, but specifically like the Greek language, you know, the, the Greek has, you know, a separate word for brotherly love, a separate word for romantic love, you know, a separate word for, you know, they even have a separate word for how you love your children. It, it, it becomes when you're willing to listen to somebody who has studied the Bible and understands how the original language works and mm-hmm. understands what words are important to research Right. You're going to learn a lot. If you understand Greek, I don't understand Greek fully. Like I have a concordance so I can use that. But, you know, people who know Greek, they can get their point across so clearly because there are so many words, even right down to the emotion you're feeling, they have separate words for. And so. But we've we've lumped everything together. We've lumped everything together. This is love is love thing, right? There's this huge campaign within the LGBTQ community. Know that love is love. Love is not love. There are so many different types and definitions of love. And so when you start looking at love, you have um, agape and agapeo. They're they're kind of one and the same, right? Um, And that is just like your general love. No, like you, you wish somebody well, you take pleasure in. So like if I say, oh my gosh, you know, I I love my new Google Pixel 7. I would be using the word agape if I was speaking Greek. I would say, oh my gosh, I agape my Google, right? And, and what that means is I take pleasure in. I like my you know, Google Pixel. Um, or, you know, if it gives me a satisfaction. Yeah, it gives you a satisfaction. So a wish you can wish, oh, hey man, I, I hope you love your vacation. Like that's a wishing well, right? And so those are... Probably that's probably the most common word that we use. In fact, it's the most common one used in scripture. Right. And then you have um, the word Philadelphia. Can anybody guess what Philadelphia means? <laughs> it means brotherly love, brotherly love, right? Believe it or not, the city of Philadelphia is named <laughs> after a biblical uh, Greek word, right? Yeah. So brotherly love is Philadelphia. So that's the kind of love that I have for Larry the kind of have love I have for my guy friends, just like hang out, watch a football game. Yep. Hey man, love you. Like that's that type of love. And then there, this actually really, I found very interesting. And, and this actually speaks to God's order, right. the intended order of mankind, because there is not a word like this pointing towards men. Right. This is a, woman only word it's only directed towards women and this type of love means loving men as in a wife right there is no word that relates to loving women as of a husband it's literally it's only for women like that's crazy like 
there's not even a word out there for men. And then there's the so love. What's the word for the woman? I didn't even write that one down. What? Sorry. <laughs> if you have a strong concordance, it's 5362. <laughs> um, and then there's the love for mankind. Right. And so right. this is the word. This is where um, philanthropy comes from. Right. Um, because the the Greek word for the love of mankind is Philema. I, I don't even know how I can pronounce yeah. it. Philanthropia. I'm not I don't I'm not a Greek major. So <laughs> it's uh, philanthropia. Right. Is the love for mankind. So that's just a general love of humanity. Like you know that murder is wrong because you love mankind. It, this is the type of love that will motivate a entire community to go search for a missing girl they don't know. Right. Because there's this love for mankind that we have that's intrinsically built into us. So that's that type of love. And then there is um, the love of money or the love you know, or the lack of love of money. So don't love money or the love of money. Right. And so that specific that type of love is specifically relating to money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and then there is just a general like to love. Um, it's just a, a general word. It, there's no real definition behind it. It's just a, a general liking of kind of similar to to agapo or agapeo rather. And then there is loving one's children, which, like I said, is a literally its own word. A parental it's, love, yes. It's only used one time in the New <laughs> Testament, and it's it's I can't forgive me, Greek scholars, if I get this wrong. It's philotekonos, mm. right? Is the love of loving one's children. What is so amazing to me, and this is just hitting me, just hitting me. So you see all these perverted things, you know, about you know, um, pedophiles, you know, and all this stuff. God is. So perfect. He literally created a single word that means to love children. Yes. So you cannot relate that to the same love as sexual love. Right. Like, well, I mean, come on, blow my mind. Like, there's an there's an entire separate word created for loving children. It has nothing. It's like that blows blows my yes. mind. Blows my mind. And here's here's the thing I want a lot of people to understand. There's not a single word in the New Testament that we have translated into love that relates to sex or sexuality. None. It's the 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 word that we have translated into English for sexual intercourse that's most often used is relations. Relations. You know, or there's um like known. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't know her, you know. Like love is not even a word used. When referring to sex. So the homosexual community, they can't even use the word love for their argument because there's literally no Greek word for homosexuality that equates to love. Right. And that's important for us to understand because our English language derives from Greek. Right. And so we need to understand that God knows exactly what he's doing. And not only did he have it written out for us. He's literally created words that make it impossible for those that are committing sin to be correct. To misconstrue any of it. Now, and that's, you bring up something that, that I want to kind of touch on here in a minute. You know, as Christians, as believing Christians, 
um, those who say that they are uh, of Christ and, and in the fold and all that type of stuff. Um, do you actually know the definitions of what we've, you know, just talked about? Because I think it's our, it is our responsibility as Christians to be able to display this mm -hmm. love that we're talking about yeah. in the correct manner, in a healthy manner. Because I think a huge, huge problem right now is that we have allowed our flesh to dictate and drift us into this thing that love was never really meant to be. And, and I find it also very interesting that in my years of recovery with working with people in recovery, uh, even in my own life, almost all of my relationships were based on what the other person could do for me, whether that was my addiction, mm -hmm. whether that was my physical attraction, emotional, whatever. Yeah. But it was never really about me loving that person in the right way. Mm. One, if I didn't even really know how to love the right way, right. What, what did it even, what was that even supposed to look like? And so well, many, I, th I think so especially many. for men, right? I mean, I mean, we live in a very, you know, masculine society, or at least we used to. No, not nearly as much as like the Latin or, you know, you know, cultures. But I think that we've been given this false perception that any male that shows anything that America would deem feminine, there's something wrong. And that is the farthest from the truth. Right. You know, and I think that's a, and I think that is because there's a misunderstanding of what love is, right. you know, and we need to be teaching this stuff. So people are making, you know, major decisions based on proper knowledge. All right. right. And it's like, as much as I disagree with, you know, the LGBT community and all of that movement, part of me can't blame them right. because we as the church, have done a horrible job at teaching the church what love is from a biblical perspective and teaching on these different things and helping people understand this. So, you know, so if you're listening to this and you're part of the LGBT community, like I just want to apologize for to you for the lack of the church doing our job of properly teaching love because we essentially have misled you down a path that has obviously allowed you to believe that love is love and that and that's not the case. And that's our fault. Right. Right. That's our fault. That's our responsibility as a church to be teaching that, you know, and there's something, too, that I think the church needs to be aware of. And, I, and I'm sure if they look back over the past 20, 30 years, maybe even longer, um, we have also have to understand that society shifted many, many years ago into moms running households, okay? And so think about this for a minute. When you have absent fathers, then the only kind of love that's being displayed is you're not getting both sides of that picture. And I think that messes a lot of people up. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, that's, that is why creation is perfect. And that is another reason why creation is the only option. Right. Like, because without the beginning, right, everything falls apart. And what were we saying before we even came on here? That we think that one of the biggest problems right now is that we've moved so far away from what the actual basic truths of 
of certain things are that it's become so cloudy that everybody just lumps it together in that 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 definition mm-hmm. um, because one well it's, it, it is going to cost me something to have to go and find this out yeah. and on the tail of that if i if it costs me something to go find this out and then i find out i don't like what it's saying because it means that now i have something i have to deal with inside of me yeah. how many people won't even go down that road yeah. because it does at some point which brings us back to Christians learning what the definitions are. I am ultimately responsible to make sure that what I am applying to my life is actual truth. Yes. I can't leave it up to other people Mm-mm. to do that for me. Okay. No. So again, there's a lot of reasons. And you know, this, this whole topic of love, uh, it's going to bob in and out of you know, LGBT community. Uh, it's going to, Bob in and out of a lot of different areas. Why? Because if it's not done in the right fashion. So uh, again, you know, if we don't have the right perception of these things, then we will ultimately always be making a lot of the same mistake. Yeah, you know that uh, that applies to so many areas you know, of our life. If we don't understand, you know, the proper, you know, biblical definition and understanding. You know, that's, that was one of the premises is of why I even wrote my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, because I was hearing so many conflicting definitions of the church and how the church is supposed to function. You know, and I'm like, man, if I'm going to plant churches, I want to make sure I'm planting biblical churches. I don't want to plant something just because, you know, my buddy in ministry thinks this is how we should do it. Yeah. Hey, look at this formula. I think it, it should work just fine. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that right. formula if it aligns with scripture. But for me, like I was just hearing so many people in my life that I respected that, you know, they they knew a lot. They were mature believers, but yet there were conflicting viewpoints of the church. And I'm like, no, like I have got to figure out from a biblical perspective, what is the church? And that's what drove me to write my book. And I think that's what needs to drive us to be teaching more on this stuff. It's like, hey, we need to understand from a biblical perspective, what is love? What is marriage? You know, what is sex meant for? Why was it designed? Because if we're not talking about that stuff within the church, well, we already know what's going to happen because it's happening right now. I mean, when was the last time, Larry, that you were in a Sunday morning church service and you heard the pastor talk? explicitly about sex from a biblical perspective. I don't know if I can remember. I can't remember ever. Years ago, I think maybe there was a service where they were going to be reading something out of the Song of Solomon, whatever. And right. They said it was PG-13 right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's always, they always go to Song of Solomon. And it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's like that's the most confusing book to uh, read for yeah. that. You know, it's like, it's not being taught in the church. Okay. And so, and, and I'm not saying, okay, here, here's my point. I'm not even saying it should be taught on Sunday service. Right. The problem is, is because the church isn't making disciples, it's not being taught at all. Because if we were discipling, we can teach those hard things in those discipleship groups so there's more relationship. Yeah. But the problem is, is because the church doesn't make disciples, all of the teaching is left to the Sunday morning service and it's not being taught there. And so we've got to you know, pull up our pants and be like, hey, yeah. we're going to talk about this stuff, you know, and teach about it. Because if and part of it is if we're not teaching on this, we're really not loving other people. 
right. because we're we're allowing them to go down a path that they think is correct for for whatever reason. And you know, I, I think I think about how passionate I get, you know, about my beliefs and about scripture. You know, and then I look at you know these TikTok posts, you know, of of these women standing outside the Capitol building, just like screaming and hollering, and you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're laughing, and oh my gosh, look what we've turned into. But think about it though for a minute. Yeah, look what we've but, turned into. <laughs> but think about it for a second. Why are they doing that? They're yeah. doing it because they honestly believe they're right. Yes. And and who wouldn't fight for that in that manner if they believe it's right? I I promise you right now, if if the reason that they were there doing that ever becomes because of Jesus, I'll be there doing the same thing. Right. So, well, so, so that's me, a problem. Let me illustrate this a little bit for people. Um, so a buddy of, um, of mine and I, we used to go into the um, into the juvenile detention center. Um, they have what's called a uh, EPOD, which is for, for juveniles that have drug issues mm-hmm. and all that, that type of stuff. And uh, did that for several years. Um, but one of the times we were sitting in there and, and my buddy and I, we, we were just kind of listening to what these kids were talking about. And uh, so we brought the question up to them and, and we asked them, so how many of you that are in here locked up, uh, you know, how many of your friends have, have been locked up uh, or experiencing trouble with, with all of this? And I'll be darned if just about every single hand mm-hmm. went up. Now, what does that tell you? That what that tells me and what that tells Dave, the guy that I was with, is that they're surrounded by people all doing the same thing. They don't think it's wrong. They don't think they it's don't wrong. see anything mm-hmm. wrong with hey, oh, it's just a trip to the probation courts. Well, everybody else has to go too. Well, it's just normal. Yeah. Now think about this for a minute. Apply that in all of these different issues and things that are coming up. Uh, you know, the whole LGBT community thing. You know, I I love you guys. I I, I do, and, and I don't ever want anyone to think that we are bashing in any way. But I think what's going on here is that I have to be careful because I can go and find a church that's going to preach the way that matches my lifestyle yeah. versus a church that is going to challenge me to live different. Yes. Now, that's the same thing I think that is possibly going on with this definition of love. Yeah. We're trying to come up with this definition of love that's an all, it fits all, and it doesn't work. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because it allows too many of the unhealthy things yeah. that can be attached to that to now come in and really disrupt God's plan mm-hmm. of peace, of what good, healthy mm-hmm. love is supposed yeah. to be about. Okay, and you know this is the devil. This is the devil trying to interfere, and he's been that way since day one. And that's you know that's exactly like what I was thinking. You know, like as you were sharing that, Larry, you know, is church. We have to realize the more we let this go, the we first we need to realize that the devil has control of the earth right now. Yes, like. He is the principality of the earth, right? The Bible teaches that it's not flesh and bone that are enemies. It's the principalities. Like the devil has a lot of control over what takes place here. And as long as we allow him to keep doing what he's doing, yes. he's going to keep doing what he's doing. And then we wonder, and then we wonder why the power uh, is missing out of the church. Why yes. does it lack power to actually have 
these huge movements. Well, talking about, you know, in, in scripture, you know, looking, you know, in the New Testament, I can't remember exactly where it is, right? But talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Referring back to Sodom and Gomorrah is what I was doing, right? And it was reminding us that because of their shameful acts, God left them to it. He's like, fine, if that's what you want, I'm going to leave you to that. And we have to realize, church, that we might be there already. I don't know. But if we're not there already, we're really close to God just throwing his hands up and being like, okay, if this is what you want, I will give you what you want. And I promise you, that's not what we want. And what did he, what did he say about that, like with the Israelites? A stiff-necked people. And the Israelites had a flaming pillar in front of them. They had lightning. They had manna from the sky. They had they all, this, all cool of stuff. this cool stuff. <laughs> and they still... So this isn't anything new, people. No. This isn't new. anything new under the sun that's no. going on right now. But the fact is, is that if the church does not do something, and if we don't become more spiritually fit as a whole, this will continue to spiral down this rabbit's trail, yeah. and eventually the toilet's going to get flushed. Because yeah. like you're saying, God is going to say, all right, enough. And that may already be going on. The the you know. But the thing is, is that God is faithful. Okay? He is. He will return the years that the locusts ate. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we, we have got to start understanding that, listen, God is expecting us to come back to the simple, hard truths about what is right, and what is wrong? And we have split hairs over that to the nth degree and, and to I, try and please everybody. Yes, and, and I think, Larry, you're making a really important point. You know, and I'm not I'm not meaning to call anybody out here by any means. It just happens to be who's who's leading right now. Right. Pastors, you have got to realize that if the way things are going is not working, what you're doing isn't working. And you have to be willing to allow others to help you, not to take over your job. Stop worrying about that. Like God will take care of your money. Don't worry about that. You need to allow other people. And I believe that God is raising up a generation of misfits. Yes. Who the church has rejected because they don't fit the no, they don't fit the the model of what you know some classy you know well primped well educated Christian looks like, and y'all, I'm telling you right now, if you are a pastor of a church and you are not letting the brawlers in the church preach, you're missing out because Jesus was a brawler, man. Yeah, I mean, he, people miss that part. Jesus was a brother. I mean, the dude went into temples and flipped over tables because the people were desecrating the father's house. And if y'all sit there and call church the house of God, why aren't you flipping tables? Because it's been desecrated. Yeah. Let us come in and flip tables. Like, uh, we have to get back to that. And you may not be called to do that as the pastor because you're the shepherd. Right. So let those called to do that come in and do that. And let us flip the tables and teach the truth. And so you can start shepherding in the right direction. But well, we've got yeah. to realize. Why, why do you think Jesus picked uh, fishermen? Some of the roughest right. of the roughest to be his disciples. I mean, they had no use whatsoever for the Jewish community. They had no use whatsoever for the holier than thou people. And I mean, I, I look at the disciples and I'm like, 
That probably I probably would have been one of them yeah. hanging out of the fishing boat, going, uh, "All right, another day to have to put up with all this ridiculousness." Yeah, and and, you know? and and if you're like in any sort of professional ministry, you probably already know this. But if you're not, you might you probably don't know this. If you were a fisherman in Jerusalem during that time, it it wasn't just a career. It wasn't just like the lowly of the low. It literally meant that you were not good enough to go and be discipled by a rabbi in the church. Like, fishermen were literally kicked out of the church because they weren't good enough. Tax collectors were the only other ones hated even worse. Right, and that's who Jesus <laughs> chose. Right. Right, he chose the people that were kicked out of the church. So, pastors, if if you are not letting people preach in your churches that would probably be kicked out elsewhere. I would really suggest you think twice about that because that's who God uses. And I believe he's raising up another generation. I mean, look at us, Larry, right? I mean, y'all listen to this. You can't see us, you know, but Larry looks like just a scruffy old welder. Here I am in just like shorts and a overgrown t-shirt and my hair. I haven't done my hair all day, right? Like, we're normal. We are just normal, normal, normal everyday people. people who struggle just like everyone else. We're sitting um, in the, we're sitting in my kitchen in yeah. my in my mobile home re- <laughs> recording this podcast, you know, and, and those are the people I think that God is going to mm. raise up. But we have to know like he can only raise us up as much as his people are willing to let to allow him to allow him to raise them up. Right. And if if they want to keep shutting those people out, God will let that happen. But we already know what's going to happen because we're seeing it happen already. Yes. You know, this this event even is coming here. You know, Weekend of Evangelism event we're putting on in July. You know, it's like, I, I don't it's anticipate. Gonna awesome. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a bunch of rough people. Bring them on. Like, that's yeah. who I want there. You know, mm-hmm. and... I was saved. I was saved out of the life that I that I had and was involved with to do exactly this, to go and rub shoulders with people who had the same mm-hmm. exact issues that I had. Uh, and listen, I, I have to be careful. I have got to stay close to God. I've got to stay close to his word. You know, I have to stay around people who are spiritually going and moving in the same direction yeah. that I'm moving in because I need that strength. OK, Um I really love the idea of, of this whole event, you know, and that's why I, I signed on and, and to be a part of all of it. Because one of the things I've learned through recovery is that someone is much more willing to listen to you when I am talking about the difficulties that I had, the mm-hmm. struggles I went through, what I had to do to change and fix me. Yeah. Because it, I, I, people are much more willing to listen to you when you're talking about your own destruction Mm -hmm. instead of trying to have them address their own. Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, I have seen and done so many things in my life. There is not anything that most people could tell me that would surprise me, shock me in any way, because I've been in the dope houses in in Chicago and Detroit. Mm -hmm. I've seen very bad things. Uh, yeah, so I think, like you said, God is raising up these people who have just been pulled from the pit. 
Yeah. Okay. And know that his power is real and his power is real to the point where it will change your life. Mm. If you will let him, that's the biggie. How much pain does it take? How much, you know, disappointment, how much, how low do you actually have to go before the idea that maybe there is something going on and, and something is right with God here and, Maybe I do need to consider there is a better way to do all of this. I yeah. just don't know how, and I need to ask someone. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be here for. And that's yeah. what you know. And that's what we're always here for. You know, we're not trying to come down on any particular section of society. We think the crux of the problem is is that we have moved away from the basic principles that God says. Listen, this is good orderly direction. Yeah. Imagine that's G-O-D. <laughs> Good orderly direction. Okay. So uh, uh, I know in my own personal life, and I'll, and I'll kind of end with this. Yeah. When I do not do things the way that I know God is asking me to do them, mm. I create so much more trouble and stress mm. for myself. Okay. God has a plan A for us, but we consistently push him into plan B. Mm. Okay. Why? Because of our own flesh, yeah. because of our own desires. And because the carnal nature is what drives man. And we have to replace that with the spiritual nature. If that is stronger than the carnal nature and the emotional nature, then it can rule those two yeah. and it won't be such a problem. We have the formula all backwards and the church isn't doing anything right now to fix that formula. Right. And we need to do that if we think we're going to have any more of a kind of an impact on what's coming. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I think, Larry, you kind of led up to a great kind of ending point. You know, I love when people come to Jesus. Yes. Right. I love it when they're saved. You know, they're going to be in heaven, you know, and, and if, if you don't know how to have your sins forgiven, it's super easy. You just yeah. got to understand the gospel and you just have to put your faith. Right. So. It's God wanted a relationship with us, so we had one. Well, we decided to sin, so sin broke that relationship, so now we're dying. Yes. Well, God wants us to live with him again, so what did he do? He sent his son to die for us, so we don't have to die. Mm. And then Jesus says, hey, just believe that I did that for you. Be baptized, realize that I'm that you're God's, and your sins are forgiven, and, and now you can be in a relationship with God again. That's easy. Yes. Salvation is easy. The walking it out part is... That's the problem, and that's not what people focus on. So many people are focused on, oh, let's lead them to Jesus. Well, yes, of course, but that's not the end of the story, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus doesn't say, hey, just come and be saved, and that's it. It's, hey, come and be saved and follow me. Understand that through a man, we fell away from God, Mm -hmm. and through a man, we had to be brought back into right relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you can understand that and you can grasp that, the meaning of that and why that had to happen, then all you got to do is ask him to come and be in your heart. That's right. Be the, be, sit on the throne of your heart. Say, Lord, you know, I know I'm a sinner, but you make all things new. Yeah. And I'm asking you to come in and, and take that space. Yeah. And if you do that, man, we'll see on the other side, baby. Yeah. And I want to hear from you. You know, if you yeah. have questions, whatever, shoot me an email, hop on our website, you know, let me know. Um, that you, you're curious about Jesus and you want to know more about it. And we'd be more happy to 
to talk to you. And uh, yeah, yeah we'd love to walk awesome. with you. Awesome, Larry. Well, thanks for joining us again in this episode. And uh, I know you'll be back again. So until next time, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. Don't forget, you can contact me anytime by emailing me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can also learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, by going to our website, www.madetheexchange.com. And if you have not already, don't forget to like and follow this podcast, as well as share it with your your friends. Now go out and awaken the sleeping giant. <laughs>